Hey fans, welcome to episode 2 of the Yellow Jacket Experience. I'm your host, Thomas Poole, Director of Athletic Communications here at AIC. This week, we will welcome senior midfielder Jake Durham with a men's soccer team as we discuss their 2-0 weekend as they knocked off Bloomfield College 4-2 and New York Tech 4-3 in overtime as we also discuss his background, his playing time in England, and his transition to the United States. We then caught up with head women's rugby coach Tara Roberts as we discussed the season that just kicked off this past weekend and her professional rugby playing career. Welcome back, fans. I'm here with Jake Durham, uh, senior for the men's soccer team. Uh, thank you for coming on, Jake. No worries. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, so you guys had a huge weekend um, as we hosted a tournament. Um, first, you took on Bloomfield College and then New York Tech. Um, let's talk a little bit about Bloomfield first. Um, a really talented team, a uh, diverse team, much like uh, the Yellow Jackets themselves. Uh, can you talk about that 4-2 win um, over Bloomfield? Yeah, it was a difficult game. They're very physical, um, direct team. We had to work hard to break them down. Um, I thought the first half we played very well. Uh, we just didn't finish the, the chances we created. Uh, we just needed to be a bit more clinical in front of goal. Um, yeah, we went a goal down, which was disappointing, but we I don't think it affected any of the lads in any way. Um, we just bounced back. We knew we had the, the same game plan all the way through the game, and we got that goal back we got a goal back and then the goal straight before half time was really important for us that like set us up for the second half going into it and then yeah we became more clinical in the second half getting the four goals and I think it showed our mental toughness towards the end they was very direct and we sort of gritted it out the result which helped out and shows we can sort of mix it with both types of uh, teams we can we're going to be playing against this season. Mm -hmm. You mentioned going down one nothing early, uh, at 30 minutes in, but uh, under 10 minutes later, uh, you guys scored, and then you guys scored after that. Um, yeah. About three minutes later, uh, what was that feeling like, knowing that you had given up that first goal? But um, by the time you guys were going to the locker room, you had the two one lead uh, with another 45 to play. Yeah, it was a changing up uh, momentum. I think it was like we was dominating the game, and. I think their goal was against runner plays, set piece. They had a we had a very tall team, so set pieces were they were very strong at. Um I think our play, the way we scored the first goal was really good. Like the way we passed the ball, moved the ball, we practiced it a lot in training. Luke wants us to play like that and getting that goal like that was, was perfect really. And I think the pressure we was applying on them, I don't think they was able to cope with it as well. Mm -hmm as they had done in the first 20 minutes um, and that's where the goal came from and yeah the momentum switched and I think Luke's half-time team talk was probably easier knowing that we got them two goals just before half-time so yeah it worked out well. Yeah so then you guys go into MIT another very physical team we saw especially in the later uh, moments of the game yeah. um, some chippiness some pushing uh, which I'm sure is always an interesting thing yeah. uh, in soccer but um NYT came out and scored in the 15th minute, um, but you guys were able to bounce back right after halftime yeah. uh, and score um, with Felipe, his first goal of yeah. the game. Uh, can you talk about that chippiness and, I guess, uh, playing with that chip on your shoulder and having to elevate that that type of play? Yeah, you just got to sort of rise to it. Um, you got to be clever with it at times. Mm -hmm. Like, every player has to have a bit of chip on the shoulder. You got to have a bit of arrogance when you play. If not, you wouldn't be playing the game. Um, especially like from where I've grown up, like you've 
you've got to have something about you to play and it sort of helps you on the pitch. Um, they were very chippy, as you say. Um, the 11 who scored the two goals, me and him was uh, had a few light word exchanges <laughs> a couple of times. Everything clean, right? Yeah, clean always. <laughs> uh, um, but I think it worked in our favour. Well, it worked in our favour for 10 minutes. They got the two-goal lead and I think with us, we just kept... We kept a level head, mm-hmm. and that's what Luke like pushes us to have a level head all the way through playing the game, and just enjoy the game. Like, don't get nervous, don't get stressed while you're playing, and just enjoy the game. And I think that's where when we was was it three one three one three one we was losing, and the lad got sent off. The lad who put the two goals in against us, he was very talkative and mm-hmm. we he got sent off he did something very stupid and I think as soon as that happened we all sort of took a big deep breath we all knew we had I think it was 20 minutes left and I was telling all the lads just to calm down just use your head just relax and the goals will come the way we was playing the the goals were going to come and we got it to overtime we, it was very close like but and then overtime I think they just I think we just knew we was going to win mm-hmm. Um, I mean, talking about that red card, that was obviously a big momentum shift. Yeah. Um, one of the things we were talking about in the press box was how, um, while he was obviously a fantastic scorer, uh, number 11 for MYAT, uh, he obviously had those two goals. Yeah. Um, it was still an offensive player for them. Yeah. Uh, obviously, in that type of situation, if you defensive player gets a red card, then that completely changes everything. Yeah. But you guys were able to take advantage um, with that man advantage. Um, did your strategy change? Um, in those last 15 minutes of no, regulation? No, our strategy is always the same. Um, he was a big help for them. He was um, good on the ball. And they was sitting deep anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when he got the ball, he could take the ball uh, a few yards forward, which helped them like relieve pressure. They was trying to play into the corners, and I don't think they had any player to sort of hold it into the corners. And that's why we kept retaining the ball and winning the ball back. And constantly playing in their half and I think just the constant pressure they we put on them yeah I think it was just inevitable that we was going to start scoring more goals um, and obviously they had it was unlucky with two injuries as well they got two unlucky injuries so I think the squad um, took a bit of a hit against us really yeah, um, so then heading into overtime, obviously you have the momentum on your side, yeah. and it takes you guys under three minutes to get that, that golden goal. Yeah. Um, can you walk us through that play a little bit um, and how that really all came about? Um, I think we were just building. Um, I remember the ball coming into me, and I think I played it out wide to <coughs> Connor Hicks or Yanis, one of them two, and just put a ball... With, we work on it all the time in training, our phases of play, getting the ball wide, especially when a team's sitting so deep. You want, you have to work the ball sideways to open up the gaps. And I think some of our crosses in the game the other day were excellent, like getting into great positions. And uh, Felipe's header at the post, it was a great header. It was the first time I've seen him head the ball. <laughs> <laughs> but then Josip was there to follow up like all good goal scorers do. And he followed up really well and yeah, like the alumni was there supporting, that was create a great as- atmosphere for us all, and I think with all the like the fans, everyone behind us, it really helped, and it was a great win, great achievement. Mm-hmm. 
uh, switching gears a little bit, talking about you, uh, so we, our listeners can get to know you a little bit. Um, from England, Bolton, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Bolton, yeah. Um, so obviously, uh, we had Yana on the show last week, um, talking about that transition from Serbia to the United States. Obviously, yeah. it's probably a little bit easier for you, especially um, given the language. Yeah. Um, obviously, some differences here and there, but a much more easy transition yeah. for you. Um, can you talk about what it was like for you to trans uh, tr to transition from England to obviously here in the States and Springfield specifically? Yeah, it was it was an easy. Um, I think the first couple of days I missed home, um, getting used to the surrounding area and stuff like that. But for me, I don't really get worried about where I am or what I'm doing really. I'm pretty laid back as it is. So I think for me, I just take every step as it comes and like this is part of what I want what I wanted to do. I wanted to come to America. Um, while I was in England, I was going for a contract. Um, things didn't go to plan. But during that, I knew the plan B was that I'd like to come out here. And I was speaking to Luke early, early in that mass season in England. And yeah, just the transition was very easy. Like Luke being from England, like quite close to where I live as well. And Jules is from England, so both coaches helped me out a lot like very like, I appreciate everything they've done for me like it's like yeah like, huge respect for them too for helping me out and bringing me in and I think when you play when you play soccer you play football soccer you you just get to know the group you're playing with and you meet friends instantly like you get connections off the on the pitch and off the pitch and my roommate Derek I can't thank him enough either <laughs> like he's helped me out so much like I don't live with him this year, but I've lived with him for the past three years, and he's been amazing for me. So, like, settling in, like, everyone helped me out so much, and the transition was very easy for me. Um, so having this, a bunch of international players uh, as teammates for you, does that tend to help you? Uh, obviously, we have a lot from the Europe, but um, also from around the globe. Uh, is there, especially with soccer being such, I guess, more of a natural yeah. um, feeling in a natural game, uh, has that transition... Uh, been easy on the pitch? Yeah, I think um, it can take time. Mm -hmm. um, new lads coming from different backgrounds, um, being sort of a star player somewhere else, coming into a program where you've got a lot of competitive um, like players, everyone's fighting for the shirt, but like you, when you play soccer, you just you know you have this sort of connection with players and it, you don't even have to say it, uh, speak the same language sometimes it just happens like naturally like you say and yeah i think now this this year especially i think everyone's sort of just taken to each other so well like we've got a few we've got a lot of lads who have come back um and then we've added a few like a few german lads a couple of norwegian lads and they fit in so well and yeah it just it's all seeming to gel together at the moment. I think the atmosphere is really good in the team, so I'm just trying to keep like spirits high. Like we're just trying to t we take every game as it comes, not to think too far ahead. Like even though we're still in out of conference games, like every game is just as important as the other. So yeah, f I think gelling together like from it helps as well all over the globe. Like you get different personalities, and it helps yep. mingle players in different ways and. You see the personalities come out in the changing rooms and on the pitch and people's style of play and you get used to that style and it's I've never experienced it and when I came over here I experienced all the languages, getting taught different words and <laughs> stuff like 
and yeah really exciting it's really good like really good team um talking about your background can you tell us about uh your journey to get to AIC um obviously growing up in Bolton um and then playing soccer but maybe yeah. talk about some of the um programs that you played for and then how you eventually you ended up here yeah I played played Sunday league until I was 14 um I played for my local um district my town team schoolboy team when I was 13 14 um and then when I was um I was I got scouted a couple of times uh, when I was 14 playing for that town team Blackburn and Bury came in at the same time um I chose Bury Bury were league 1 at the time or league 2 at the time and then while I was there the first team got promoted so I was on I maybe went on trial for they said 6 weeks I was there for two and I got signed on after two weeks oh, wow. so that was really really good the first sort of trial I ever been on I'd ever been on really um yeah enjoyed it enjoyed every second of it um so up until you're 16 you go through the process of being in the academy and then when you're 16 you get offered a scholarship to p stay and play and up until you're 18 for two years um so my first year we won the league did very well, played in the FA Youth Cup against Man United on Old Trafford. That was a special occasion. That must be pretty neat, going yeah, through I'm, and playing I'm against... A, I'm a United fan. Um, Marcus Rashford was playing, who's an England international now, so it was one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life, if not the best experience, probably. So were you a fan of them uh, when they first... I've been a I fan mean, since I was a kid. Up. Since I was a kid, so... Yeah, amazing, really. So and getting to play against them, I would imagine. I mean, if you're not playing for them, at least yeah. playing against them could be a dream. Yeah, get goosebumps when you think <laughs> about it. Like, we used to play them in friendlies. You play against a lot of like Premier League teams in friendly matches behind mm -hmm. closed doors. Like, we was very local to a lot of Northwest teams like Liverpool, Everton, uh, Man City, and then my second year we got Manchester City's old training ground. So we was next to Manchester United so I was yep. literally around I was 20 yards from their training ground so oh, wow. we'd go there we'd play against them so always just in and around it um, second year we came second in the league um, went to the training ground things started getting better the first team were in league one doing really well they had the promotion mm -hmm. the same year as we won the league so the club was like doing really well and then yeah from during that season you sort of wonder if what if like you don't get a contract one what, what you're going to do next so they go through that process with you early in the season so I, the first few months i wasn't playing my best football because i was obviously thinking about what if does it happens and then yep. the option of america came up i searched into it with my like my parents um my mum was a big help, she helped out a lot, um, searching and then they sent a video out to a few colleges, uh, just a handful of colleges and I got a couple of response and um, AIC was the first response, Luke got in contact with me, with scholarship, everything, like really interested, really keen, so I thought yeah, like if nothing goes to plan at Bury where I'm at then I'm really like looking forward to it. And then obviously the process with like visas and stuff like that. Got the visa two days before <laughs> we started pre-season. Oh wow! So, so you had a real quick turnaround there. Cut it very close, yeah. Like you, 
I went early in the in the summer and then they said oh it should be here in a couple of weeks and obviously things happen and two days before I came out here I got my visa so I was very excited and then ever since yeah came out when I was 18 nearly 22 now so yeah uh, well you mentioned it a little bit about being a family decision uh, people don't really ever truly I mean I guess in the states it's not something we usually see mm. um, until after college so after a time where the students have been away um, but can you really talk about um, I guess the difference coming at going to a completely different country at the age of 18 yeah. uh, compared to what it would be at 22 for most American um, students who are there then trying to go play professionally internationally. Yeah, but I think I think at 18 you sort of, you don't really know what's going on in the real world, to be honest. Like, I've never really had a proper job. <laughs> <laughs> like, you'd, I played football for two years, like, properly, so it wasn't really... I wasn't doing any manual labour, nothing, and my my parents reminded me of that a lot. <laughs> so I'm very lucky to be in the position I'm in. So like you, you sort of take everything. You don't take everything for granted. You like you appreciate everything. Like obviously, I've I've worked so hard over the years to make sure I get to this position, and I think you just being the person I am, so focused, so driven, especially with soccer. Like I'll study the game. Like I've been captain for the last three years, so I've I've got to be committed to. I've got to be like the first last at training if I can be. Like I've got to be there. I've I've always got an opinion as well. I'm very well spoken. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I try to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because I'm so competitive and I've been brought up in that environment, and you've just got to just got to go for it, really. Like can't really live life without regrets with really. it. I think you've just got to take your chance and the chance came for me and I'm sort of just doing it right now. So hopefully things can progress and like I've stayed and played in the last three summers, played at Reading, not this summer, the last summer before and we went to a national final. So I've had a really good experience, yeah. yeah. Um, so wrapping things up, uh, the question I ask everyone um, is what moment in life has really impacted you the most? I think being released from Bury that day, you know, you get told the day, mm-hmm. and you get called into the first team manager's office, and the words he said, like the way he lets you, like whether you're getting a contract or not, like that day, you it hits home, like or dreams over sort of thing. But for me, it sort of made me more hungry to get it, because. You've worked so hard, then maybe I must have played, oh God, 13 years yep. to be told that you're not good enough or you're not big enough, you're not strong enough to go and play first-team football straight away. It's it's heartbreaking, but it made me hungry and I knew the backup plan was over here. So ever since then, I've just kicked on and got more hungry to succeed and hopefully get that contract one day. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us, Uh, Jake. I very much appreciate your time, and congrats on the two wins this weekend, and we're excited to see see what you guys do next. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers. Hey, fans. We'd like to thank Frankie and Johnny's, the official pizza and sub shop of AIC Athletics, a partner since 2015. Frankie and Johnny's offers the best pizza and subs in the Springfield area and is a proud partner of AIC Athletics. 
Hey fans, welcome back. I'm here with head women's rugby coach Tara Roberts. Uh, thank you for joining me, coach. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, so this past weekend, you guys went down uh, to Maryland and took on Mount St. Mary's. Uh, lost a very close battle in 1917. Can you talk about that uh, just a little bit? Yeah, sure. So it was a really close contest. We actually had the lead at the half, 17 to 5. Um, you know, not the result we wanted, although, you know, we only had one sub. They had a full bench. I think that made a big difference in the mm -hmm. second half. Um, we're in a new pattern right now, so just working out the kinks. So, you know, I think for us to hang in the way we did, um, given the, the context and some of the, the barriers we were looking at, um, you know, I think next go, uh, you know, we're hoping for the W. Yeah, I mean, looking at the breakdown uh, of the scoring, it looks like you guys gave up a first-minute try to the mount, uh, but then you came back and rallied and scored four minutes later. Can you talk about um, sort of that mentality that your players might have had uh, going into that game, giving up that early score, but being able to bounce back fairly quickly? Yeah, I think, you know, um, practicing uh, an attacking pattern um, is one thing in theory when you're in practice and not under the same kind of pressure that you'd be in in a game. And then it's another thing once you're in a game to kind of try to string things together and really put it into play. And I think, you know, that those first five minutes, we were sort of caught in a situation where it was, you know, um, waking up to the reality of we have to execute this under this kind of pressure. Um, so, but, uh, you know, they did find their groove in that first half and, you know, I think we're, we're making big progress with the pattern. So Yeah, and with that, I mean, I th it's obviously a big learning curve. You lost a huge player like Beth Harvey, who had come in here, uh, set lots of records. Uh, how's that learning curve been uh, to play without her? Um, you know, I think there are pros and cons. Um, you know, it gives it gives openings to younger players to kind of to step up and, and express that they, they want to carry the team in that way or take that responsibility, um, you know, and it forces them to sort of own more of – uh, the result at the end of the day, but um, you know it, it was always nice to have her too. And <laughs> so you know pros and cons. Yeah, I mean a, a player like her, she would just come in, dominate the game. I mean it's someone who you always had to keep your eye on because you wanted to make sure um, that whenever you needed her, that she would find the the slip, the opening, and go into the try zone. Right. Yeah. We do. You know, we we do have players like that now. I think it's just a question of them realizing that it, now it's their time mm -hmm. and they can take more ownership. Uh, yeah, so this year uh, you guys never played the mount, um, at least in the time that I've been here. Um, so you guys have gone to Tier 2. Uh, can you talk about a little bit of the teams that you'll see there compared to the teams that we saw um, in the past couple of seasons? Yeah, you know, uh, there, a lot of them are new to us too. I haven't seen many of them actually play. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've seen Brown and Sevens. They gave us some really solid competition last spring, and I think they're really on their way up too. Um, but Mount St. Mary's was our first time playing them, and they were they were more well-rounded than I was expecting. Mm -hmm. um, but but that's exciting as far as you know. Hopefully, what we'll see in, in the final four later in the season. Um, Queens, I haven't seen. Uh, we we did play LIU last year, but it looks like they've gotten more numbers and a new coach in the past year, so they should be a good challenge as well. But uh, we're really looking forward to it. I think you know the tier two offers us competition that's a little bit closer to to what we can offer on the mm -hmm. pitch and and so it's exciting to to have close matchups like we did this weekend um so optimistic about it and i guess we'll see 
uh, a team that we have predominantly faced in the past and have had lots of success against uh, Sacred Heart, who you guys are actually going to be playing this Saturday at 5 p.m. Uh, at home at Abdal Field. Uh, can you talk about what you're sort of expecting from that Sacred Heart team and for your home opener? You know, to be honest with you, I haven't seen Sacred Heart in 15s either. We've seen them a lot in 7s. Mm -hmm. um, my impression of them is that they have a lot of numbers. I'm going to guess that they're pretty well drilled and they have a pretty solid system just given that fact. Um, so, so beyond that, I really don't know. It is my intention to, to watch them film this week and get a sense of that. But, but as it stands right now, it's TBD. Um, so switching gears a little bit, uh, I want to our listeners to get to know you a little bit as well. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about your background, uh, especially with rugby, uh, growing up and when you started playing the game and um, even after high school, college, and even to the professional level? Uh, sure, yeah. So I actually, um, I never played rugby until after college. I played indoor soccer with a bunch of the, the rugby women, and they talked mm -hmm. me into trying a practice. And then once I did, I was hooked. Um, <laughs> growing up, I played a lot of sports. I played soccer, basketball, softball, lacrosse, swim team, pretty much everything, but never rugby. Um, but, but it really is as addictive as, as people say it is. And then, um, so... After college, I joined a senior club in Portland, Maine. They were Division mm -hmm. Two. I played with them for a few years, and then I started commuting to Boston to play for a uh, uh, women's Premier League team. So I've been with them for a few years now, and then I went to a D1 team for some summer sevens. So I've been D1, Women's Premier League. I've been on some select sides. I've been to sevens nationals, fifteens nationals, sort of a, a variety of uh, venues, really. Yeah, um, so... Can you talk about some of the experiences that you had with that, especially playing professional? I'm sure you're playing against some of the best talent, uh, not only in the United States, but obviously um, some opportunities to play against some of the best natural teams as well. Um, so, so it's it the the trouble, or maybe that's a strong word, but it's not professional in the sense that we're not paid to play. We actually pay to play. Mm -hmm. We pay our own way to fly. Um, but it, it is really exciting to to play against those teams. A lot of them have national team players, and you know it's very um, you know, you start to see certain structures and certain patterns that, that don't surface as much or aren't executed as much at lower levels. And, um, uh, you know, it's a really, it's an exciting challenge. It's very physical. Um, the bar is pretty high as far as fitness and, and execution and game understanding. So, um, you know, it is, it's high stakes, but it's, it's very rewarding at the same time. Um, and talking with that, I mean, you talked about different aspects of the game that are different at that much higher level. Um, I guess you're constantly learning and trying to figure out what you can take from those different matches, not only what your team's doing, but what your opponents and bringing it back to here at AIC. What am I? What do I bring yeah. back to AIC? Yeah, like the tactics. I mean, obviously, you, there are different things. It's a different level of execution, but at the same time, trying to find those rudimental uh, fundamentals that you could bring back and help uh, the players here. Yeah. So, I mean, for me as a coach, I've always been um, pretty organic as far as how I wanted my players to play. Mm -hmm. I really, because for me as a player, I enjoy making decisions and I enjoy, you know, being involved in the process, regardless of what position I'm playing. So I've always been very organic in that sense. But I, I think I have learned the value of certain structures and certain patterns just in the way of, you, you know, in a way it offers people an opportunity to all be on the same page and 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 some seamlessness in terms mm -hmm. of when personnel changes. So I think that's something I've definitely taken from my experience in WPL and brought to AIC. Um, something unique uh, with rugby is obviously you had the 15s and the 7s season. Um, do you have a preference of which one, A, you like to play or coach um, or watch, I guess, overall in general? 
Um, that's a that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> for me, as an, an older individual, slowing down a bit, I definitely enjoy playing 15s more. Mm -hmm. Just a little less space for me to have to cover. Um, as far as what I enjoy coaching, I really enjoy both. I think, you know, d different pieces appeal to different athletes. There's something for everyone, and, and that's valuable as a coach. And, you know, they can both offer value in terms of creating a well-rounded player. Um, as far as what I enjoy watching, I would say I enjoy watching 15s a little bit more. Is that just from the strategy aspect? Because I feel like um, from the 15 standpoint, you definitely have to be a more well-rounded well team uh, overall to where as seven, you can have a couple better athletes uh, who can make that quick run or um, make that big tackle in the open field. Um, do you find that that's a little bit of how that game or how those two games differ? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, um, I think... I think you see a lot of similarities in terms of how teams play sevens. Mm -hmm. Pretty much everybody plays the same way. So, you know, after a while, you're seeing the same thing over and over again. And I, I, in some way, you can say that about 15s, but it's more tactical. There's more variation in terms of, you know, exploiting strengths and weaknesses and mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So I think it just keeps you on the edge of your seat a little bit more. I mean, you know, not to say sevens is certainly action-packed, but I think on, on a tactical side, 15s is a little more complex. Um, so AIC has been more in the forefront uh, from what I've seen on the, on the rugby side, especially men's and women's, uh, in terms of helping the teams be, uh, become successful and putting them into a place to succeed. Uh, can you talk about what it's been like to be here at AIC and uh, know that you not only have the athletic department uh, behind you, but people across campus and even the president who's a big rug rugby fan? Um, you know, it's been... It was a really um, big change going from a club atmosphere where, mm -hmm. you know, you have to kind of scramble to find field space and equipment and, and referees and things like that to go to a situation where all that stuff is, you know, right in your backyard, so to speak. Um, but it's it's amazing. It's amazing to have the resources. And, you know, it's, it's sort of a different mindset in terms of, you know, instead of thinking, how am I going to make this work? It's really, you know, the sky's the limit and, and what else can we do to, to improve our performance and yep. improve, you know, the athlete experience. Um, so looking forward, um, obviously recruiting is a big part of any sport at the collegiate level. Um, I'm sure there's some challenges with rugby just because it's not as widespread of a game here in the United States. Um, but can you talk about recruiting and uh, your your viewpoints on uh, how you get athletes to come here to AIC? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's the exact thing that you said, you know, for every high school in America, there's a soccer team. Uh, whereas, you know, for every high school in America, there might be like, you know, a quarter of a, a high school girls rugby team. So so there's a lot less to choose from. But, you know, I think the, the positive side of that is um, keeping, you know, you know ha having a personal touch to your recruiting outreach helps a lot. Connecting with coaches who are still trying to develop their programs to say, how's it going? Mm -hmm. I can relate to that. Or, you know, this is what I've seen or this is what I've tried. Or, you know, or if y you're ever looking for ideas or, uh, you know, reaching out to athletes on a personal level to find out what is it about your program that they find appealing or, or what might you be able to offer to them. But I think in the way of rugby, that, that personal approach, um, that grassroots approach is big. Um, and you mentioned it before because you yourself said that you never played rugby until after college. Um, do you think that you have a little bit more insight and um, the ability to relate to a person who has never played rugby before to hopefully get them into your program and thrive? For sure, for sure, yeah. I really uh, encourage walk-ons, and, and we've had several walk-ons who've been phenomenal. Um, so I definitely don't think that should ever limit anyone. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where – 
the more you do it and the the more you practice it the better you get at it just like anything else mm-hmm. um so as we wrap up here uh, one question i'd like to ask all of our guests um, is what moment has impacted you the most in life I would say uh, making the Northeast Select Side team. So the the first year that I tried out for it, I was a rookie. I mm-hmm. just went to the tryout to see what they were expecting and what they wanted, and I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I was definitely a black sheep, and and I probably should have been embarrassed in hindsight. But um, you know, between those six years, I really, really worked. Um, I played on a. a division two team as opposed to a d1 team which all the other players were on and you know i i had some injuries and one major surgery mm-hmm. and and a six-year span you know between just that first tryout and a second six years later i was able to make it and that was huge to me just putting in the work and really focusing on a goal and realizing that, that those things count if you really put your mind to something you can do it um so with that mindset i mean obviously you're dreaming big that that's what what you were hoping to do and what uh, you ended up doing long term. Uh, do you find yourself as someone who takes some of those risks, and um, even when you're not fully prepared, you go out and attack that because you know that's what your end goal is? For sure, for sure. I mean, yeah, I think that's what life is all about, right? I mean, you're not you're not always going to be ready, and and sometimes the only way to learn is by making mistakes too. So you know, and that's what I, I encourage my athletes, especially at practice. You know when we make mistakes this is why we practice and this is how we learn and we've got to sort of have times to go out on a limb and and see what's going to work and what's not going to work so for sure awesome well thank you coach for joining us today and good luck this weekend uh, as you host sacred heart uh, on saturday september 14th at 5 p.m at abdal field thank you hey fans thank you for joining us i'm your host thomas Poole, director of athletic communications here at aic just a heads up this weekend football will be kicking off against bentley in a non-conference showdown at noon at abdal field followed right by women's rugby who will host sacred heart university on tuesday september 17th at 11:15 a.m we will be having the first yellow jacket glove luncheon in the stinger on the campus of aic this event will be held on the third tuesday of each month and will include selective student athletes in-season coaches and staff and faculty members of the yellow jacket club there is no cost of admission for the event and lunch is available for purchase we hope to see you there and we'll have a new episode for you next week